Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. up here smiling so much at getting tickled at little Elena. She's coming up here with her offering. She drops her coin. She just kind of picks it up and she's just going around. And then I looked over earlier this morning. She's pulling Mimi up here a little, little more out in the front because, you know, service is going on and such. Oh, God, make us Elena. And I know Sister Ryan says you don't even know what you're asking, but I'm just... <laughs> don't even... Well, we'll take certain facets in certain respects, you know, certain respects. Amen. I'm going to be turning to Genesis chapter 27, Genesis chapter 27, uh, which contains, I I would say in my estimation would be a familiar story. How many is familiar with the story of Jacob and Esau and Jacob going before his father, uh, you know, has on garments and hair on his what, what we would commonly call, you know, this big deceptive moment. You know, many are probably familiar with that. And wanna, I'm going to turn our attention there today. I'm kind of going to be a little, I, I'll say this and probably kick myself, my feet out from what I'm, I'm going to be in teaching mode. That's what my mind says I'm going to be in today. <clears throat> but uh, we'll just go with wherever it goes. Genesis 27. And I'm going to start with verse number six. So I'm going to just read a, a, a little bit of this whole story and, I pray that you are somewhat familiar with it, uh, but uh, even if you're not, it, it, it will will help you. Will help you in that in that regard. Verse number six, the Bible says, "And Rebecca, this is Jacob and Esau's mother, spake unto Jacob her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, thy brother, saying." Bring me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee before the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. That's what Rebecca is saying to Jacob. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two good kids of the goats and I will make them savory meat for thy father such as he loveth. Thou shalt bring it to thy father that he may eat, that he may bless thee before his death. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I am a smooth man. Look at verse 12. My father, preadventure, will fill me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver. I think this is important because I think we paint this whole story so much so Jacob the deceiver, the supplanter, and he has some hesitancy because he knows how it will depict him. And I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. I want to read verse number 12 from uh, the New International Version. It's kind of more so for my, my, my title of our lesson today than anything It says it in the New International Version like this. Jacob says, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him 
would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. And for our lesson here this morning on this, this is not a Valentine's Day necessarily streamed, all right, lesson. Uh, but I want to talk to us this morning from this question. What if he touches me? What if he touches me? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Ask God to help us. Father, I love you this morning. I pray, oh God, that you would open our hearts, open our understanding. I pray, oh Lord, today that you're able to speak to us, oh Lord, through your word. God, let that word of God, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, be embedded in our hearts and souls. I pray, Lord, that you're able to grant us understanding, Lord Jesus, from what may be a well-worn, familiar passage today. But God, help us, Lord, to God share some light, Lord Jesus, of the word. God, I pray, oh Lord, each and every individual in this place to be helped in some measure from what is said and from what is spoken today. God, from the word will not fail to thank you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen, and everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. What, what, what if he touches me? That was in many regards the question of Jacob unto his mother, Rebecca. What, what if my father feels me? What if he touches me? Within the scriptures that we read of Jacob and Esau and the family dynamics of Isaac and Rebekah, uh, there isn't much really developed in Scripture when it comes to the relationships of uh, Jacob and Esau with their parents. There isn't uh, much said about the relationships between the parents and the children, uh, so much so. We do know, according to God's Word, that uh, Esau and Jacob, uh, they were born, the Bible says, they, they were twins, uh, but they were as it is within the individual. You can be twins, you can be identical twins, but you still have your differences uh, as far as being individuals in your own regard. And so we know that they were twins, but Jacob and Esau are still yet uh, different from one another. We understand, according to God's word, just a few chapters back, that uh, in, in like a chapter number 25, that that Esau, the Bible says, it describes him that he was a, a cunning hunter. The Bible describes him that he was a man of the field. Yet on the same token, we have his brother Jacob, who the Bible describes as a plain man. The, the Hebrew more so decide, describes him as a wholesome man and that he dwelt in tents. So we have two individuals that are quite different. One that's the man of, of the field, of the forest, of, of the wilderness, more of the rugged man, if you will. And we have the Jacob that, that stays a little bit closer to home, that dwells in the tents. And for that matter, we do have this little glimpse of, of relationship of mom and dad with, 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 with children, with the, the, the Jacob and Esau. The Bible tells us quite forthrightly that Isaac loved Esau, but Jacob loved, or that Rachel, or Rebecca, we'll get the right name out of there. We, I mean, we got several to choose from. Uh, Rebecca loved a man, Jacob. And to say that, that Isaac loved Esau is not necessarily to say that he hated Jacob or that he didn't love Jacob, but he was making known, scriptures making known the 
particular affection that one parent had toward one of the children. And so Isaac loves Esau and Rebekah loves Jacob. We understand, according to God's word, also that uh, Esau, of course, was born first. Many of you could tell this story. I should have had one of you tell the story this morning. We got enough Sunday school teachers in here that told it a thousand times that could tell the story up here today, and I, I could sit back and enjoy. Uh, but nonetheless, Esau was born first, and then Jacob, according to the word of the Lord. Esau, then, being born first, was poised in position for both the birthright of being the firstborn and also the blessing of the firstborn since he was born first. However, there is this knowledge, and this is important for us today, that I think that we need to read uh, Genesis chapter 27 again through this lens. There is this knowledge that Rebecca has, and that is that she has even heard from God. And we don't have record of it in Scripture. And, of course, if everything that was written that could be written, John said that, you know, the world couldn't even contain it. And so there's probably some things that, that are not shared, that was shared, that we're just not privy to, that we don't know about. But she receives some information from God that we don't have no record of in Scripture that she ever necessarily shared with Isaac. And that is this. Rebecca understood concerning these two children that the elder was to serve the younger. God had spoke that to her. We have no information that Isaac was with her at that time when that was spoken to her. The Bible says in Genesis 25 and verse 23, and the Lord said unto her, Rebecca, because she's feeling this turmoil. You all remember the struggle going on in her womb. And she's like, you know, what is this all about? What is going on? And the Lord said to Rebecca, two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. And the one shall be stronger than the other people and the elder shall serve the younger. And so no doubt Rebecca tucks that into her heart and tucks that into her spirit. She has this knowledge now of the elder serving the, the, the younger. According to her estimation, that which was born first going to serve that which was born second. That, 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 that Esau would be serving Jacob. And so it's from that knowledge this morning that I believe that Rebecca is instructing Jacob to do what she is instructing him to do in Genesis 27. Because she is the one that overheard her husband talking to Esau about how he desired a particular meat or some savory meat brought to him and that if he would bring it, then he would eat it and bless him. She's the one that overheard that. She's the one then that went to Jacob and said, Jacob, now just follow exactly what I tell you to do. See? We sometimes paint Jacob very, very harsh, and I think a little bit more so than what we should, because this wasn't Jacob's idea. This wasn't Jacob overhearing his father and coming up with this plan or this strategy. This was Rebecca hearing it and coming up with this plan and this strategy. But with the background of knowing that God told her that the elder shall serve the younger, I believe she thought what she was doing was right. 
I believe she thought what she was doing was proper and that it was correct. And so she tells him, you, you just follow my instructions. She makes sure, Jacob, now I want you to obey me in this matter. I want you to listen to me carefully, and I want you to do what I tell you to do. Just trust mama. One of those type of things. Just, just trust mama. And so we know in scripture, right? Because we have the history of scripture. And we know that Jacob is heavily painted, uh, even through preaching and teaching, and maybe perhaps in our own minds, he's heavily painted as the deceiver, right? The supplanter. His name even means supplanter because from birth, the Bible says as Esau was coming forth from the womb, what happens? You all know what happens, don't you? That Jacob clutched a hold of the heel of his brother Esau. And so from that moment forward, he's painted in this deceiver, this supplanter type of characterization. And when we come then to Genesis 27, and we see that he's putting on the garments of his brother, and they're putting the hair of goats on the back of his neck and upon his hands, it seems like everything that we read in Genesis 27 is just once again emphasizing and underscoring how Jacob is this deceiver and this planter, this supplanter as he comes before his father Isaac and poses as his brother. I mean, Esau's garments are going to be up on Jacob. All these skins of goats are going to be up on Jacob for the purpose of making him feel or appear, if you will, as his brother Esau. But again, and I do have a point this morning, as usual. But again, may I remind you that it was Rebekah that suggested to Jacob Go before your father. It was Rebecca that told Jacob, get the, get the two kids from the fold and we'll prepare them and take this savory meat in so that you might secure the blessing. Because what I heard was this, Jacob. He was going to bring savory meat. He was going to eat it. He was going to bless him. So Jacob, you take the savory meat. huh? You allow him to eat it and he'll bless you. It was, look in your Bible again. It was Rebecca that placed Esau's garments on Jacob. It was Rebekah that made sure that those, those skins of the kids of goats were prepped and put upon his hands so that they would be hairy and upon his neck so it would be hairy. Yet in all of this, I must this morning turn your attention to verse number 12, that while his mother is strategizing this and planning this because I believe she. She heard what God said and thought this is the proper direction. This is the way it should go. This is doing right by us doing this. Jacob with hesitancy in his voice, hesitancy in his spirit, in his response to his mother is like mom, Esau, Esau and me, and I'm just paraphrasing for my own purpose here today. Esau and me are two different people. Esau and me are two different people. He's hairy. And I'm not, right? And if he knows what scripture tells us, that Isaac loved Esau, then Jacob may be telling his mom, mom, it's been apparent over the years that dad loves Esau. And Jacob could feel in his own self, but I'm not real sure where I stand in dad's eyes. See, 
And it could be, and I'm just, I'm just thinking here today, folks, it could even be that it's not, it's not real maybe that, that Isaac loves Esau more than Jacob. That might not even be a real truth. It might just be how Jacob perceives the father's love. Amen. He might just think that perhaps his father would love Esau more than him. But nonetheless, he has some grounds to work on with his mom. Mom, dad has asked for Esau, and you're asking me to go into there. We're two different people. Dad loves Esau, and I'm not really sure about where I stand in the eyes of my father. Mom, don't you remember? We're two different people. Esau, he, he despised his birthright. He despised this whole concept and idea of being the firstborn and the responsibility that would be laid upon his shoulders, amen, being the firstborn. He said, but I coveted what my brother despised. We're two different people. We're just not the same individuals. He traded and he bartered away the birthright. He traded and bartered away. He said it would not profit him anything. And yet the same thing that he said wouldn't profit him anything and he sold, he said, I clamored for. And I desired. We are two different people. We are not the same. We're not the same in appearance and we're not the same in values. We are definitely different. And so with all of this going through the mind of Jacob and as he's trying to convey all of this to his mother, he states those words. If I go before my father to get the blessing, what if he touches me? And again, what we oftentimes skip over, Jacob's like, I don't want to seem like the deceiver in his sight. Because see, that's the label that's been placed on me. That's the name that I have been called. I, I don't want to seem like a deceiver before him. I don't want to live up to what I've been named. I don't want to live up to what I've been named. Jacob feels as though even if he were to go in before his father like this, that this would be trickery, that he would be tricking Isaac by doing this. Uh, Mom, don't you understand that if dad asked Esau to bring savory meat into his presence, follow me here, if dad asked Esau to bring savory meat into his presence, if that is what he was required as a preliminary to getting the blessing, then he He's expecting Esau to come back. He's expecting Esau to come into his presence. What are you saying then, Pastor? I'm saying this. Mom, if I go, I'm not going to be like what he's expecting to come into his presence. If I go, I won't be what he's expecting to be in his presence. And so Jacob is the utmost concerned about being touched by his father and then not being what his father was expecting. He didn't want to appear as the deceiver. He didn't want to appear as the tricker. He did not want to disappoint. Because we, we have a young man that's already a little vacillating in the idea about how he stands in the eyes of his father. And he says, I don't want to go in there and not be what he's expecting and to disappoint dad. Because I already don't know where I stand in his side anyway. Someone say amen. What are you saying this morning, Brother McGee? I'm saying this. Oftentimes we enter the presence of our father. Whew. With similar thoughts. 
inhibitions. I'm not talking about your literal physical dad, okay? In case anybody just fell off the train right there. We come before the presence of the Lord sometimes, our Father. And it's like, well, I know he loves so-and-so. I know he loves people like that. But I'm so different than they are. I'm so different than they are. I, I've got a name. And I've got some labels attached to me. That I'm not certain whether the father would want me to be close to him. Or near to him. Let's go a little bit further. I, I'm not really the type that he may be expecting. Because we, God, you know, God, he, he loves this one. He loves that one. God has a, has a certain pattern that he loves, a certain, a certain degree that he loves, a certain type that he loves. And we get this sometimes in our minds that if it isn't just like that, then his love isn't going to be toward me. His love is not going to be, you know, predisposed toward me. And so we enter into the presence of God thinking, if I go and I'm not exactly like what I think he likes, is he even going to want me near? Is he even going to want me close? Because if I don't fit the mode, if I'm missing some obvious traits that, that would stand out to him, will what, what will he do when he touches me and recognizes I'm not what he was expecting? Oh, Jesus. Someone say amen. I know there's been times that we walk in and we feel so down and out and, if you will, in ourselves so insufficient for the presence of God, so unworthy. For the presence of God, for whatever reason, for whatever, for whatever it may be, labels that have been attached to our life, things that we have done, things that we should have done that we didn't do, all these things. And so we have these doubts and opinions. Am I really what God's expecting right now? Someone say amen. And yet you know somewhere in your distant past, even as Jacob, you crave for some noble things such as the birthright that others despise. But I'm just not sure about this. And when we come to the story, is, everybody, is this okay? When we come to the story then of securing the blessing and what Rebecca overheard, it seems really cut and dry this morning. Isaac told Esau, make the savory meat, bring it to me, I'll eat it, then I'll bless you. Seems pretty, you know, streamlined. Savory meat, eat it. I'll bless him. Boom. And so Rebecca conveys the same objective, the same streamlined, you know, pattern and procedure for securing the blessing that she has overheard. Jacob, take savory meat. Daddy will eat it, and he'll bless you. <laughs> and what Rebecca is urging Jacob. Whether it was Jacob or Esau, it mattered not. What Rebecca is urging Jacob is this. Don't go before your father empty-handed. Come to your dad bearing the gifts that he has required. Come to your dad bearing the gifts that he has required. And when Jacob goes... He won't so much be there. Now notice, just walk with me here today. I'm really trying to get people to think this morning. I know it's hard. It's cold. Your brain's probably operating slow. But whenever Jacob goes, he won't so much be going there for the purpose of 
giving savory meat or offering what his father desires as much with this motive. I'm going to get the blessing. I'm going to get the blessing. The savory meat is just a means to the blessing. Bringing what the father requires is just a means to getting the blessing. Not going empty handed is just the protocol to getting the blessing. Everybody says, yeah, well, listen, you can be honest. I'll be honest with myself this morning. I believe we've all had times we've entered the presence of the father with just the sole intention of just getting the blessing. What are you saying? I'll do what I know he likes. I'll do what I know he's required for just the solitary purpose of getting the blessing. I'll offer I know what is pleasing to him and appealing to him in his presence so that I might be blessed. In other words, we've been more sincere sometimes about being blessed than we were about being a blessing. Sometimes we miss the Elena spirit. What are you saying? I'm saying this. I wish I could tell you this morning that every time I raised a hand or clapped a hand, that there was never a selfish motive behind it. Amen. Wish I could tell you every time I showed up to church, it was really for him and not for me. But I don't want to deceive you today. I don't want to, I don't want to come across as the trickster. Because there have been times, I'll tell you even as a pastor, there have been times my participation in his presence was because I felt like I knew I needed something or that I was owed something. And I knew the praise and the worship and the prayer and the hand raising and the being there was just the protocol to get it. It was kind of like the old, when the praises go up, the blessings come down mentality. So, huh? <laughs> Hallelujah. In other words, I've come sometimes to church and, and my involvement, right? My involvement, my participation was, was just the way that I figured I could get the blessing. It wasn't really about, Brother Malone, me really worshiping the Lord wasn't about me just really saying, you know, I'm going to praise him for his excellent greatness. wasn't about just showing up because I'm so in love with the master. It was about I was seeing if I could treat him as a vending machine and supply something and get something in exchange. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Jacob knew... He would be in his father's presence. And he knew he would be there simply out of his desire for a blessing. Under false pretenses, if you will. And so he is compelled to ask, what if dad touches? What if he touches me? As you continue to read the story, all the preliminaries that happened to Jacob before he is blessed is carried out. 
oh, Lord, help me today. I, I want to be understood today. I want to be understood today. Amen. When we read the rest of the story, Jacob's dad, Isaac, at one point, he wants Isaac, or rather Jacob, to draw near unto him. So, Jacob, I want you to, I want you to draw near unto him. For what purpose? So that, so that he might touch him. He wanted Jacob to draw near so that he could partake of what Jacob brought to offer. Yes, it was required, but what he brought to offer. Even more intimately than that, as you read the story, Isaac wanted Jacob near and to come close, and he asked that son, which has a little ambiguity to him about whether he's Esau or Jacob, he wants that son to kiss him. And so after this guy that we know to be Jacob drew close, offered what he brought to his father, even kissed his father, was touched by his father. Now see, that's a whole lot more than just bringing savory meat, him eating it, and you getting blessed. This is now, I've been touched by him. I have kissed him. Hallelujah. I've offered what I brought to him. And then after all of this, he has Bless me. And so Jacob, at the end of the day, got to realize I have now this blessing, but along with this so-called words that have been spoken and blessing upon my life, I have also been touched by the Father that I was questionable about his love. Just wait with me for a moment. I have given something pleasing to the Father that he has required. I have kissed the Father. Jacob, through all of this, all of these hoops, as it would seem, that were asked and required of him. Jacob was very patient with the process of each request because still yet in his spirit, he felt as though it was trickery for him to be even in the presence of his dad. And it was on the surface. Now look at this. I, I, gotta, I, gotta, I got a lot of stuff to still say, tie and bring. Like we're, we're like stuffing the turkey this morning for Thanksgiving. Because after this blessing takes place, in walks who? Esau. And what I read in Scripture is that Esau comes before Isaac and he may just as much be there for the blessing, if not more than what Jacob Because we seem to see here that this seems to be all that Esau is going to talk about. Notice how each Jacob and Esau inquire about the blessing. If you look at Genesis 27 and verse number 19, I guess I should have shared that with you all upstairs, but nonetheless, Genesis 27 and verse number 19, this is Jacob and how he inquires. Jacob says, arise, he's talking to his father Isaac, arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison that my soul may bless, that thy soul may bless me. That's Jacob. Verse 31 is Esau inquiring about the blessing. Esau says, let my father arise and eat of his own venison, of his son's venison, that thy soul may bless me. Very, very close. Very, very similar. Almost identical. All except in Jacob's request. He says, arise, I pray thee 
In other words, Jacob comes to Isaac with his statement that's very similar to Esau's, but it's more like he is entreating his father. If he, I pray thee, eat the savory meat and bless me. Isaac on the other hand, Esau on the other hand comes forth not so much as entreating his father, but it's almost straightforward as a demand. Arise, eat, and bless. It's a little bit more curt. It's a little bit more terse, if you will. It's not as entreating as Jacob. And so Jacob, look, you look in the scripture, Jacob mentions the blessing once and doesn't say another word about it. Though his father's asking him to come closer, Though his father is asking him to kiss him. Though his father is asking this or that of him. He mentions it once and he never says another thing about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Jacob never mentions it anymore. But Esau mentions the blessing and keeps on mentioning the blessing. Particularly whenever he thinks that there is no blessing left. For him, you can look at it in verse number 34, and I'm paraphrasing here. I, Esau is like, bless me, me too, my father. After he finds, finds out that there's already went a blessing forth upon the other son. In verse 36, he's like, he's, he's speaking of Jacob. He's taken my blessing. Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Now let's stop here for a moment. Who was the one that despised his birthright almost 40 some odd years earlier? The blessing was attached with the birthright. To say that he took the blessing is really incorrect. Forty some odd years ago, he forfeited the blessing back then that he's wanting to get today. He says on in verse 36, haven't you reserved any blessing for me? In verse 38, he even relays, do you have only one blessing, my father? Now listen. All of this kind of puts me in mind of the two sons of, of the father of Luke 15, of the prodigal son and the elder son. Someone say amen. It really do. It really does. Because one, one of these two sons in Luke chapter number 15 is the prodigal son, which happens to be the younger son. And the other one is denoted as the elder son, right? And so if you'll remember, whenever the younger son came back to the presence of his father, there was a big to-do made over the prodigal returning home, the fatted calf, the music, the dancing, the party, and all that. And what happens as the elder son hears word about the big to-do that's taken place over the younger son? You know what he says to his dad? He said, you never gave me a kid. He's saying, in essence, similarly to what Esau's saying, where's my blessing? Don't you? Don't you have one for me too? You never gave me a kid, the elder son said. He said that I might make merry with my friends. Furthermore, look at it just a little further. You can go to Luke 15 if you need to re refresh your mind with it. The prodigal son, if you'll remember, intention for going home arises from the fact that he was perishing with hunger. He said he would fain, he desired and coveted even that his belly would have been filled with the husk that the swine did eat. Right? And he says to himself, doth not my father's servants have bread enough even to spare? In other words, he's on his way home first and primarily for the blessing. Someone say, is everybody doing okay? 
for the blessing. However, as he returns and he already has in his mind, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. Look what he's dealing with internally. I'm not going to be what he expects. I spent it all on riotous living. I've worked for someone that even kept swine, which means they weren't a Jew. They were a Gentile, and that's unlawful for us. I'm not going to be what he expects. I'm no longer, I'm not, I, this, he's got his little speech prepared. I'm no longer going to be, uh, you know, qualified to be able to call his son. Just make me a servant. He has all of this. But the Bible says as he is returning, what happens? His father saw him. This is in your Bibles. His father saw him. His father had compassion on him. His father ran to him. His father fell on his neck. His father kissed him. What are you saying? In the beginning, as the younger son was returning to the presence of his father, amen, it was all about just securing a servant's position and getting some bread. It was all about the blessing. But in the end, when the story is over, it wasn't about the bread. It wasn't about the fatted calf. It wasn't about the ring. It wasn't about the robe. You know what it was really all about? It was about being touched by the father again. It was about still being the father's son. When he came back home and probably wasn't what dad was expecting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Amen. Someone say amen. amen. Now, sim- similarly here. Get a swig of water. Dry air, dry mouth. Similarly, I believe Jacob realized in the end, what he realized in the end wasn't necessarily, Bishop, the words of the blessing that was spoken over his life. Watch me here. As much as it was the process he had been patient with leading up to it. Listen to me very closely. Just one, because you're going to have to think. And then your Bibles. The Bible says unequivocally that Isaac, daddy knew the voice to be Jacob's voice. But he thought the hands to be Esau's. In other words, there's a certain ambiguity in the person that stood before him. There was what he had expected from an Esau. But there was a hint of what he didn't expect, which came from a Jacob. Oh, someone hear me right now. But nonetheless, Jacob allowed himself to be touched by his father. He offered what he was brought which was pleasing to the father. He kissed his father. Even that was an impromptu request. But he kissed his father. And here's the thing that I believe that Jacob came to terms with. I hope I can tie all this together. Jacob in the moment, in the moment, knew that it wasn't all about the words of the blessing that said you're going to have the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth or the plenty of corn and wine. It wasn't about the blessing that spoke these words that said, hey, listen, there's going to be people that's going to serve you and nations are going to bow down to you and you're going to be lording over your brother. It wasn't all about that as much as it was. Listen, he was touched by his father. Listen to me. He was touched by his father 
when his father suspected in the individual before him a partial Jacob. He loves Esau. We know that. But he knows the voice to be the voice of Jacob. And he touches him anyway. He suspects a little Jacob in this Esau. He suspects a little supplanter in this Esau. He suspects a little bit of everything that Jacob has been pictured in this Esau. But he touches him anyway. And so the blessing really for Jacob, not in the words that are spoken, but in the touch that received from a father that he was unsure that he was unsure of where he stood in the eyes of his father. The blessing was, if you will, in the kiss that his father even asked him to give him, although he knew that the voice was the voice of Jacob's. See, the fact of the matter is this. The blessing was, in fact, that when Isaac was suspicious, or when Jacob, rather, was suspicious of his father's love, his father loved the Esau's, right? The, the hairy neck, the hairy, the smell. He loved the Esau's, even when he sensed a little Jacob in him. What are you saying? It's saying he don't have a type. But he's even willing to love when he senses a little bit of something that may seem to us unlovable. Maybe it is a Valentine's message. Amen. The blessing was in the touching him. Now listen, folks. The prodigal, as he came to, I know I'm back, you know, Genesis 27, Luke 15, Luke 15, Genesis 27. The prodigal thought, that he was unworthy to be called his father's son. Whereas Jacob thought that he really wasn't touchable by his father. But his father touched him. His father called him near to him. His father wanted him to kiss him. Although he was certain, there's a voice here that sounds like Jacob's voice can i say it like this that isaac that father was not discouraged or put off by the jacob that he heard in what he thought was a esau before him oh jesus huh i'm saying god's not put off by your inadequacies god's not put off by your flub ups God's not put off by your mistakes. God's not taken back by the Jacob that lies within the Esau. God's not put off by your inhibitions. God's not put off by your fears. God's not. While you're wondering if he'll touch me, God's wanting to touch you. While you're wondering if he'll allow me close to him, God's drawing you close to him. He's being a father. Follow me here closely here. I'll just give me just, you know, five minutes or six. So Isaac's not discouraged by hearing the Jacob and the Esau. Let me share with you very quickly perhaps what Isaac was more disappointed over. That Jacob thought he had to be an Esau. In order to be blessable. Here's why I say that folks. 
And I think it's important to point that out right here. This is the reason why I say that. The blessing that Isaac pronounced upon this person before him that he thought to be Esau, that had the voice of Jacob, the blessing he pronounced upon him had nothing to do with the generational blessing of Abraham and Isaac that was first given to Abraham from God. What are you saying? The blessing that he pronounced upon him really didn't have anything to do with the blessing of the firstborn, of his descendants being many, or his inheritance of the land of Canaan. Watch here. Genesis 28. Look at it here in the Bible. Genesis 28 and verse number 1. I'm just going to kind of read, skip, and read. And Isaac called Jacob. You get it? He knows. He knows. This is Jacob. And blessed him and charged him. This, this, is, this is nobody under false pretenses right now. This is in, nobody cloaked in any type of disguise than just being who he was. He calls, he calls Jacob in before his presence and he blesses him and here's what he says. To this one that has his inhibitions about the father, whether the father loved him, all of these things, he's in there just totally stripped. He is who he is. And Isaac says to him in verse 3, and God Almighty bless thee. I thought he was already blessed. He blessed Esau when he still sensed a bit of Jacob in him. But now this is just Jacob plain, stripped of everything. He's Jacob standing before his dad. And God bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee, that thou mayest inherit the land wherein thou art a stranger, which God gave unto Abraham. And verse 5 says that Isaac sent away Jacob. What are you saying? I'm saying there's no disguises here. There's no trying to be something that he wasn't. There was no trying to hide any, if you will, things that may be unexpected in the presence of the Father. He stands before the father. There's no facades. Jacob's not trying to be Esau in this moment. He stands before his father without disguise as Jacob. And his father blesses him. And charges him. He, he stands as Jacob. And he receives the blessing of Abraham and Isaac upon his life. He receives the blessing of his descendants being many and being the inheritor of the land of Canaan that's passed on to him. So what are you saying? I'm saying Jacob is not only touchable, he's blessable. The genuine raw, huh? The genuine raw Jacob who's fearful about his father touching him and being cursed rather than being blessed. Even more, when all the facades and all the veneers are stripped off of Jacob, Dad says, I'm going to bless him. And I'm going to bless him, really with the blessing of the firstborn. As he stands before here, stripped, without any airs, without any veneers, without any facades. What are you saying this morning, Pastor? I'm saying this, folks. That it is absolutely vitally important today for us to stop trying to determine whether or not we're worth being touched.
for us to stop trying to determine whether or not we are blessable in the eyes of our father. We got to stop dictating how we think our father sees us. Amen. We got to stop trying to be what we think he loves. <laughs> and if you got a desire for the birthright and if you're labeled as a deceiver, all these things, we got to just be Jacob in his presence and let him give us a charge and let him bless our lives. Yes, Jacob, you're saying, all oh, you're saying, well, don't try to be what he loves. I'm saying this, let the charge come from the Lord. Because the Bible says that Jacob pleased and honored both his mother and his father. They didn't want him to marry any foreigners, to go back to the homeland, marry one from our kindred and our people. He received the charge. He followed the charge. He was blessed. But when you come to the Lord, listen, sometimes you come before him warts and all. Don't allow your wart, so to speak, to think, what if he touches me? Is this going to be what he's expecting? Is this going to be something that he would even bless? Because I know in the back of my mind that my life has been painted in this type of particular aspect. Even by society, would the father want to touch? Whew. But though he even senses a hint of who you are, he says, draw close. Kiss me. Come what you've brought. Let me lay my hands on you and touch you. We can stand this morning. What if he touches me? What if he does? What if God does touch you this morning? Huh? You aware of all the faults and failures and things of your own life? What if he does touch you? What if he does sense a, a bit of Jacob in you? But what if in touching you, he does just go on and bless you? What if in touching you, he does just call you closer to him and ask, if you will, for affection from you upon him? What, what if he does? If we enclose our eyes today, I guarantee you that if we would subject ourselves to that, if we would make ourselves open to that, we will really find out that the blessing is more in the fact that he touches us, he loves us, he cares for us, in light of knowing who we are, where we've been, what we've done, and the mistakes that we've made. What if he would touch you today? God, oh God, seems to do that which is beyond the, the, the mindset of mankind. It's the lepers that are coming to him and saying, if thou wilt make us clean. And the Bible says he touched him. And he said, thou art clean. It's, it's those type of scenarios. I'm a leper. No one's supposed to touch me. Screaming out, leper, 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 so everybody knows. And Jesus comes to the one that was literally in society untouchable. Yet he reaches forward and touches him in his condition. Amen. And there's something that totally revolutionizes his life. I want today not to have all these predetermined ideas. I want to come, if you will, before the Lord vulnerable. And if he chooses to touch me, so be it. If he calls me in close, so be it. I'm going to be patient with the process because somewhere along my journey just to be blessed, whew, somewhere along my journey just to be blessed, it's now turned to the fact I understand I'm accepted by the Father. Whew, 
I understand I've been accepted by the Father. He knows me. He knows me, and yet he's touched me. He knows me, and yet he's embraced me. He knows me, and yet he's going to charge me. He's going to help me. He's going to guide me. Can we raise our hands? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.